Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone? You are listening to another episode of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. Joining me today is former Falcons fullback, Ovi Mahaley. Ovi, what's going on, man? How are you? Not much, Willie. I'm doing good, my friend. Awesome. Well, you know, we've got a lot to talk about today. Roster cuts happened. The third preseason game happened, uh, you know, between our last episode and this episode. And then, you know, the next time we see the Falcons take the field, everything will count. It'll be all on the line. Uh, the, the regular season is finally mercifully here. And finally, thank God, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I mean, know, right? the Falcons losing streak. What is it? 15, 16 games, a bunch of games in the preseason. Oh, I know it doesn't matter, but it, it'd be nice to it, watch them right. win. Exactly. It, it, if it doesn't. Yeah, if it doesn't matter, then at least just win one every once in a while. You would think yeah, no. a random <laughs> game. Yeah, would would make it happen. Yeah. Um, but all of that's behind us. So we will dive into all of that uh, on today's episode. But first, let's take a, a quick break to hear from today's sponsor. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the new season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo, which means that if you make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys, and you lose, your wager will be refunded. Up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Ovi, uh, before we get into the last, uh, the third preseason game, which the Falcons, as you noted, again, lost to the Cleveland Browns, let's first touch on the roster cuts. Roster cuts had to be made by four o'clock on Tuesday, and the Falcons actually got theirs out somewhat early. Uh, I think they, they dropped an article around one uh, one thirty on Tuesday. Um, not a ton of very surprising cuts, I would say. You know, Willie Beavers, um, a notable one. They uh, cut both Caleb Hunt Huntley and uh, Deontay Foreman at running back. Um, Juan Green, not. I mean, there. Chris Williamson was another one, but by and large, I think a lot of the players that we expected to make the team. And some of the younger guys, uh, like a TJ Green, who really played well in camp, uh, Dorian Etheridge, they made the club. Um, but what were your overall takeaways from the roster cutdowns? Because it, it kind of doesn't seem like there's a massive storyline to be made out of this, which could be a really good thing. Yeah, I think um, they knew who they wanted. Uh, this is something to where if you watch the Falcons and you kind of know how Arthur Smith operates and the GM operates, these guys have seen more than we've seen watching practice day in, day out. So the games in the preseason were just icing on the cake. And like we mentioned, it's it's tough to evaluate uh, certain players fully in just the preseason when they're not fully prepared. They're not putting in full game plans. 
the other team isn't fully prepared. There's not much game <laughs> film you can watch on them. Right. So guys are out there kind of just showing their athletic talent and how well they can follow the very basic, very vanilla game plans on offensive defense uh, that were put out there. But uh, I do think you're absolutely correct with Willie Beavers with the lack of offensive linemen we have. Having only eight going to the season seems like it's uh, not enough. Yeah, right. So moves will be made to, to change that <laughs> because the last thing you want, the last thing with a multi-million, hundred-plus million-dollar quarterback in Matt Ryan is to have an O-lineman go down and have some guy off the street uh, who doesn't know the system trying to block for him or you know, a, a backup moving from left guard to right tackle and you're playing musical chairs yep. and guys are out of their positions and Matt Ryan's getting sacked in the face like he did you know, the majority of his career. You don't want that. And I don't think uh, Arthur Smith wants that. So the offensive lineman situation, again, being a fullback, it's just weird because protection for, for Matty has got to be paramount. Yeah, so the eight offensive linemen that the Falcons uh, kept on the roster, Josh Andrews, Drew Dahlman, Matt Hennessy, Chris Lindstrom, Jake Matthews, Jalen Mayfield, Kayla McGarry, and Jason Spriggs. So, you know, a, a lot of the names that we kind of expected to see, I think Jason Spriggs was probably the most surprising among that group, but a lot of draft picks in there, um, young guys like Drew Dahlman, Matt Hennessy expected to kind of take on some roles this season for the first time. But like you said, Ovi, I mean, that's essentially five starters and, and three reserves. So all three of your guys need to be able to play multiple positions. Otherwise, yep. your depth is impacted even more. And I do think the Falcons, to their credit, have groomed these guys to be able to play multiple positions. But I absolutely would not be surprised if, like you said, they maybe see what's out there once all the roster cuts have been made, find a guy that they like, and and see if they can maybe bring him in. And if, if they can't, then, you know, they'll obviously go to plan B or C. But it's notable that they only have eight offensive linemen because there's another position where they've got a lot of players, and that is in the secondary. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it's like they're borrowing from the trenches to give to the uh, to the secondary. But 11 defensive backs, four safeties, seven corners. What are your thoughts on why they kept so many guys in the uh, on the back end? Because, uh, as Charles Barkley would say, the secondary has been terrible. It's been, been terrible. <laughs> terrible. It, it's, been, uh, it's been bad on every single level. Like, the, the starters were bad. The, the backups were bad. The guys on the bubble were bad. And, and the DMP's defense had a pretty strong showing the first time they were out. I remember us talking about it. We yep. felt that, you know, the guys were in, in positions. They were making plays. They were doing his, uh, you know, signature A-gap blitzing scheme and, we felt kind of good, but the last couple of games, especially this last game, you know, not, not just Baker Mayfield, but backups were consistently torching our defense. And, and I give them some passes on they aren't running a fully operated operational defense, but at the same time, there are guys not swatting down balls, and it, the, the communication didn't seem to be there. And everyone was open. Like, I feel like you know, as a fullback, if I ran around, I'd be open, even in my old forty-one year age. Uh, so maybe they're still trying to uh, understand who's going to be a good fit for, for this team because when mm-hmm. they interviewed Arthur Smith, he kept on saying this is a fluid situation, this is a fluid roster. We got it out early, but this is you know very fluid, and so that's the uh, you know <laughs> word of the day, fluid. Yep. And uh, I believe that there are going to be some major changes still, especially in that DB room because you can't carry eleven DBs. Um, 
and expect to have a, a well-rounded team. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that one move that we could see sooner rather than later, which would change the numbers here a little bit, would be if they put Kendall Sheffield on IR. And because the IR rules are still in place from last season, a player, once they make the 53-man roster, if they go on IR, they are eligible to come back after three weeks, which is a much, much shorter timetable than, what was it, 10 games previously? A player, I think, yeah, had to more. miss going, going on to IR. So what they could do is essentially free up an extra spot on this roster by putting Kendall Sheffield on kind of a short-term IR and figure it all out later. But you have somebody like Avery Williams, who's essentially counting towards that, but he's a special team teams player. He's your punt returner. Um, so they, yeah. they do just kind of have numbers there um, by, by proxy of the types of athletes that they, they just have it kind of labeled defensive back. Um, yeah, but you know, were there any players who got cut who you kind of want to see back on the practice squad with, you know, the possibility of them maybe working their way onto the roster, um, over the coming months? Well, I mean, we, we spoke about Willie Beavers, uh, already, but there, there were some of the, um, gosh, darn it, the, the running backs that they got cut. I felt like they, the, the both one. Both the run RBs they cut, Caleb Huntley and uh, and Deontay Foreman. Yeah, Huntley and Foreman had had promise, and I, I mm-hmm. was really excited about them. At least one of them having a chance to make the squad, and I believe one of them will come back on, on the practice squad because they show they can catch the ball at the backfield. They could, uh, you know, get yards after contact, which is was huge for uh, Arthur Smith. But most importantly, I feel like they they show that they can protect Matt Ryan. You know, you mm-hmm. saw a little bit of what they were doing in the pass blocking scheme and. And just watching some of the games, they stepped up there, put their nose in uh, in the gap, and and took on linebackers blitzing and helped to chip on defensive ends. And it must have been emphasized in the meetings because you saw all the running backs try to chip when they got out because they knew that they have a prize back there. And what happened in the past, which was Matt Ryan, you know, <laughs> awkwardly running for his life, yeah. can't happen in the future because you don't want a guy like that having to worry about having his knees cut out from underneath them. So the, yep. those two running backs, I think, you know, one of them will get invited back. I absolutely agree. I mean, I think that's probably the the safest bet. Um, I I wouldn't be shocked maybe if it's Huntley. Um, he's just, you know, younger and and kind of probably could develop a little bit more. But, but Deontay knows Arthur Smith's uh, system a little bit uh, better at this point. But I don't think that's a shock either that both of those guys got released. I mean, it's pretty clear that the Falcons have a one, two, and three with Mike Davis, Cordell Patterson, and Quadri Allison. And, you know, I, I don't think that there was a chance either of these guys was really going to crack that top three. And most teams go with three running backs and a fullback. And there's your four out of the in that position group. And then, you know, have a guy on the practice squad. And that's kind of how true, everything. True, but the the one time that they'll go with four running backs is when that running back is an absolute athletic stud at special teams. And I've seen right. a lot of teams carry four running backs because that fourth one is just a you know kickoff cover uh, assassin. He's a, a, a punt a cover, you know, just athlete on punt return and, and on a kickoff return. He's blocking his ass off. Like those guys who are just pure athletes, and usually running backs are running backs and linebackers are the build where they can be fast enough. They yep. have the ability to hit and tackle, and they can do it all. So I don't, I've but seen, I don't know if they have one of those guys on that roster. I mean, I like I think Quadri Allison 
has the biggest special teams role, but he's he's not yeah. that type of guy. Yeah, he's I think True. he's solid and reliable. I, but and this goes back a little bit to what we were talking about with like Avery Williams. If you're already dedicating one extra like you've got two returners essentially. That's a luxury instead of having one person or another person um, fill in one of those. Yeah, you're you're you've got two designated guys for those key roles. So that kind of takes up a spot. And maybe that's the sacrifice there at running back. But um, I, I do think one of those two guys is coming back. I, I think Chris Williamson is a guy at cornerback who probably gets an invite back. Um, linebacker Errol Thompson uh, flashed at times in camp. I, you know, he had some negative plays, but. That's what practice squad is for, is to kind of try to develop these guys. Um, two offensive linemen who really stood out on pro football focus every time I went to look, uh, just for having good great grades in the games, were uh, Joe Sculthorpe and Ryan Neisel. Um, And then, you know, outside of that, uh, Emmanuel Ellerby is another linebacker who I think played pretty well. But I also wouldn't be shocked if they bring a lot of guys in from the outside. How much do you think Atlanta should be looking outside of their own walls to fill out this practice squad? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I think that the fact that they are what, number four in, in the choosing, that's going to be really big for yeah. the Falcons to um, wait and be patient. I think that's why Arthur Smith is saying fluid. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's gonna probably really get hearts. the guy that they want. Yes, there there are some yep. guys that uh, feel like you know I made the team, I made the cuts, and <laughs> Mama, I'm on, I'm on the squad, and it's not going to be pretty for them in a yeah. couple of days because when all these cuts go down the the wire, the Falcons are, are sitting there, you know, right in the in the uh, the front, saying, you know what, I want that guy, and I want this guy, and I'll take one of him, and <laughs> they're going to round out these pieces with the best in the league, not just the best in the Falcons that they had a chance to see, but the best uh, of the best, and it's going to be uh, some young guys, especially who aren't going to see the field, and you know might get bumped from the fifty-three man, 53 man roster to practice squad, or from practice squad to looking for a job. Yeah, and I mean sometimes the uh, the difference between making the fifty-three and, and being safe, and making the practice squad, or not making the roster at all, could be a the final preseason game. And there were only three this year, but we got the third one um, on Sunday night. And just some notable highlights from that. Uh, Kyle Pitts made his debut for the Falcons. We actually saw him out on the field and he made probably the highlight of the game, considering it was it was Kyle Pitts making that play. Another rough game. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, also notable is Josh Rosen suited up for the first time as a Falcon, not because the coaching staff was protecting him and not playing him in the first two games, but because he arrived in Atlanta four days before the game started. So he was pretty much flying by the seat of his pants, but he did pretty well. And we will get to that in a second. He did. He did. Right. And then I don't know if it was the defense's best game. So, so where do you want to start? You want to start with Rosen? Start with Rosen because um, I, I went back and we were, you know, predicting the future and our future came true saying Josh Rosen would be a good pickup for the Falcons. They got him. I went to look back into his, his past. And I saw that, this poor guy can't buy break. Like everywhere he goes, no. some young, you know, draft pick gets takes his job, and it's happened to him like you know two or three times. To where I think the, the last place he was at, he kind of complained that he wasn't getting that many reps, and they got him up out of there. Yeah, it, it, it. it I, I feel for him because when you want to play, sometimes you tell the truth and just say things like, "Yeah, I wish I had more reps." And, and being the PC quarterback, which Matt Ryan is amazing at doing. <laughs> is difficult for guys who 
just don't have the filter that uh, that Matthew has. And Josh Rosen can play. He can still ball. When you're a first-round pick, it's for reasons because they see upside, they see talent, they see the ability to, to change games and carry teams. And he can do all that. I think, you know, the, the conversation we had about <laughs> if A.J. McCarron on the field, you know, just, just hold on and let's just hope that he can <laughs> hold on to that lead. Uh, Josh Rosen is, is a type of quarterback that could surprise you and may be able to win a game if you're down for one touchdown. So oh, wow. I really like okay. what he did with very little preparation and throwing off his back foot, that touchdown, that, that sealed it for him as a positive outing. He had some great throws, oh, yeah. but getting that TD at the end was really, uh, I think, it, it clinched it to where I feel like they should take him. But the fact that they didn't clearly say Josh Rosen is the number two quarterback today also shows that they probably want to still take a flyer on, on who's out there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that that throw that you're alluding to, which it's funny because I went back and and watched uh, the the film of that and they ran the exact same play twice because Rosen threw the wrong, the, the receiver and quarterback were confused and the receiver runs basically a, it looks like a post. And then at the last second breaks right along the baseline of the end zone and was wide open the first time, but Rosen kind of threw it like a post. So it just fell incomplete. They ran the exact same play a second time. Once again, wide open Rosen hits him, but it was obviously a much harder throw because he was yeah. backpedaling and way off balance. And and when he made that throw, I I kind of thought to myself, all right, he's at least earned the oper- an extended audition. He's at least earned yeah. the opportunity to make this roster or to make. And I don't think they were going to I don't think they were going to let him get out into probably the waiver pool because um, some other team would have just oh, grabbed him. him. Yeah. Some yeah, other team would have grabbed him. So he earned his spot on the 53 with with kind of that throw but it wasn't just that throw i think he had a really good game i think he really he stepped in there for not because it's not just knowing the plays that's the thing that everybody talks about kind of with uh like during the game it's oh he's only had 3 days to study the playbook they're running the most vanilla stuff they're they're running the most vanilla stuff all across the nfl right now the only difference is it's called something different everywhere you go but the yeah. concepts are all pretty much the same when in when it's the preseason, you're all running the most vanilla of all offensive schemes. It's really the timing and the chemistry with the guys that you're throwing to. He has no idea like that route that they had to run twice. He may not have known that he was going to break out to that outsider or the receiver may have flashed something that they went over in something way before Rosen even got there. And that was a little signal like you're building chemistry completely between quarterback and wide receiver all the time. And for Rosen to get in there and really kind of put the ball where it needed to be, when it needed to be there, and throw with whatever little anticipation he could muster with a guy that he doesn't know at all, I just thought it was really impressive. And it showed, again, like you said, why he was a high first-round quarterback, because he was poised. He was leading the offense. Even when, when they made a mistake, they never seemed shaken. They got right back up to the line of scrimmage, and it was the next play, and they moved on. So... I mean, just a great performance from him. No, they, they always say uh, command of the offense, and it's yep. such an yep. ethereal, objective thing. Like, oh, he had command of the offense. What the heck does that mean, command of the <laughs> offense? Uh, well, Josh Rosen kind of showed what that means. Yeah. Uh, when you're able yeah. to – and this is, again, he doesn't know what every player is supposed to do, and, and he doesn't know uh, everything through and through, but he had enough um, – 
just, I guess, I don't experience to be able to keep everyone together, to kind of direct traffic, to march everyone down the field and to consistently go from the sidelines to, to get the play call, yep. to line everybody up, to snapping the ball. It was just a, a rhythm that seemed natural to him and it made him look really good. So uh, I, I'm always, as a fullback, the uh, you know advocate of the underdog. Uh, I'm always somebody who I love second, third, and fourth chances because sometimes it, it's hard to, to get it right and to perform all the time when the lights are brightest all the time. And, and, and guys made mistakes. Rosen's made his. So I, I'd love to see him, you know, not take over Matt Ryan's job, of course, but I'd love to see him as a backup. <laughs> and, you know, uh, if – Matt does have a Nick uh, have him come back and show that this is why I was the first round draft pick. This, this is why y'all picked me. I just need the right team and the right coach and I can shine. So we'll, we'll see if he gets an opportunity. Yeah. And, and again, it's kind of why you, we talked about even bringing him in here in the first place is the upside is worth betting on at all. And it, it's again, a situation where he knows he's coming in as the clear. He's fighting for the number two job. He's not fighting for the number one job. He's, he understands his role. He's got a chance to, to learn and I think it was I read after the game that Arthur Smith said they kind of ran out of their pre-planned package stuff for Josh Rosen um pretty early on in that uh during his time in the game and that they had to go back to him and basically ask him hey are you comfortable running this different stuff that we haven't ever prepared you for and he kind of had to give the okay and say yeah I can do that um, which I thought was really impressive. And it showed a lot where he wasn't, he was going to push, I guess, his limitations and he was clearly uncomfortable. Who wouldn't be? I mean, you're, you're stepping in there and you don't really know what necessarily is going on. And that might be a discredit to him, but I just thought he handled the moment really well. And it spoke highly of him as both a quarterback and it's, and it, uh, spoke very highly, I think of him as a competitor, but for as good as he looked, I think, should we be concerned about the defense at all? We talked yes. a little bit. Yes, yes. Statement. The answer is yes. We, yes, we should be concerned about the defense. Because <laughs> we, we talked a little bit after that first game about, wow, where has this been? Dean Pease, man, he's lighting it up. They're bringing the pressure. That has cooled off considerably over the past couple of weeks. And it may have just been, hey, Dean Pease wanted to see if he could do it. He could do it. Cool. That's all we need. But just sloppy defensive play, sloppy tackling, not getting your fits. What did you see from that side of the ball? I saw every level, I mentioned this earlier on the podcast, every level of the defense, every uh, a stage from uh, the linebackers to the DBs. The only thing that was was positive was that I felt like they were getting a decent amount of pressure uh, in the mm-hmm. front four or in the front, in the front seven. But when it came to pass, uh, just, just you know, keeping the pass from, uh, from happening, these guys weren't in the right spaces. They weren't lined up correctly. They weren't uh, just covering and uh, it, it seemed like we had a very porous defense. Well, yeah. Mostly was very common. It, it was like just <laughs> happenstance. Like this is the Falcons defense where you can throw on us anytime, anywhere. We're not getting yep. to the quarterback. Yeah. You have all day to throw and you can pick us apart. You know, besides, you know, our high paid top draft picks, you know, the rest of our DBs are just some guys. Yep. And I, I was hoping that we can have people take the position and say, you know, I'm going to be the number two safety or I'm going to be, you know, the number two corner and just take the position by just intercepting, knocking down passes. I didn't see much of that at all. And it, it was disappointing because, again, that Dean P's defense that we've all been raving about, 
I thought was going to show up in the last two preseason games, at least the last one where guys are fighting for their job. And it seemed like they were just, you know, sluggish. The the, the mentality, the culture, all those you know fancy words we like to say <laughs> that new coaches bring to um, to defenses. Yeah. I didn't yeah. see that. I didn't see guys flying around. I didn't see fast and physical like our old friend Dan Quinn used to like to say. <laughs> I, I didn't see that on display against the Browns. I, I saw Baker Mayfield and and uh, the other backup quarterback for the Browns. I forget his name. Starts with a C or something. Case uh, Keenum, maybe? Uh, was that it? No. Was it it's not um, Lyle Letta, is it? Or is he? No, I don't know who it was. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Hey, uh, he, he, he was cutting us up, too. Uh, so yeah. the quarterback in the second half of the Browns, was having his way and it, it <laughs> was uncomfortable because I, I know it's the preseason. I know it's right. our backups, but I, I just want to feel confident that we're not going to see a repeat of the last couple of seasons in Atlanta where our defenses, our, our defensive secondary is our weakness. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a great point. And I, I think that even though if the Browns weren't putting up points, uh, a ton of points in that first half, I mean, they were moving the ball up and down the field at will. I mean, whatever they wanted to do, they were getting it. Um, and you know, I, I've, I've picked the Browns on many different occasions. They are my pick in the AFC to make the Super Bowl this year. So I obviously think that the Browns are good, but oh, yeah. that being said, you know, you, you don't want it to make it that easy on them. And it looked that easy at times for, for Atlanta. Now they did have a couple of turnovers, but then both of those ended Horribly, one being just a straight up fumble that was lost to the other team. I know you've got thoughts as a, uh, you know, the three points of contact, which uh, totally uh, disobeyed all of those points of contact. And then, you know, the other one, we uh, Falcons recovered, but still hold on to the ball. It it seemed like just there, like you said, there wasn't necessarily a lack of discipline. It looked like um, there were at times when the linebackers were dropping into coverage and it just seemed kind of like their landmarks. They were just going to predetermined landmarks instead of really reading what, what routes were in front of them going to where the guy is instead of where you're supposed to drop because he's still in your zone. So you adjust your drop point in your zone and you go cover your receiver and it little things like that, that even if they're third and fourth string guys, they should know that stuff and that should, that should be coached up. But my question to you is, are we any more confident once that's Deion Jones and Foyer and it's Grady Jarrett and it's AJ Terrell. I mean, should we be more confident that the guys we saw out there are at best rotational players? We should. And the only reason I'm saying that we should is because it's a brand new staff. It's yeah. a brand new uh, uh, system and it's a brand new, I think, um, a squad that we're going into battle with. So there is a small chance that, that Dean Pease just doesn't want to show all of his cards and wants to make a huge splash in the first regular season game and, and says that, you know what, guys, I'm going to make this so vanilla that they're going to be holes. They're going to be gaps. We're not going to look great, but by your effort, uh, I'll be able to see who can fit best in my system. That, that's all I can, you know, hopefully say to try and make us not look as bad because it looks <laughs> bad out there. Well, you just, you just made hope. me think of something real quick. The, the, what you just said about this being a new staff, you would know this, but when a new staff kind of comes into place, especially early on as they're trying to teach and educate a new playbook and new philosophy of their way of doing things, there's an hours game with practice. You only have so many hours in the day. You only have so much time to work. Is it possible that they're really, yeah. yeah. Is it possible they're really just dedicating a lot of their time to making sure Dion Jones and Grady Jarrett and Foyer and 
Isaiah Oliver are ready to go and that they know what they're doing and kind of the guys that we saw out there on the field on Sunday night, maybe you're getting the scraps as far as it comes to coaching attention. I mean, does that ever happen or is it, does it go all the way around? No, I mean, there are guys who unfortunately probably know that they're camp bodies, probably know that they have no chance of making the team just, just because of the numbers and yeah. uh, the starters need to be ready for day one. So they're going to practice uh, more than some of the backups because you want to make sure that they have everything in place. And I, I guarantee they've been working on their full packages for the season, not just <laughs> not going to game plan again <laughs> or work towards playing the Browns on a meaningless right. game. So they've been working, uh, you know, for the, for game one, for the, the, the chance to go one and oh. And I think that the, the backups aren't getting practice time. They're not they're not getting playing time when we're working on uh, game one, because they may not be there. So during the, the fourth, pre- the third, fourth, third preseason game, these guys are kind of just going off uh, what they know and a little bit of yeah. practice they've had. So yeah. I think you're probably right. I've seen it happen with new regimes where they want to look good to the GM, to the owner, to anybody who's watching. And so they kind of sacrifice being fair and getting everyone equal amount of time or even – you know, somewhat equal amount of time in order to put themselves in position to win. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not fair, but again, that's, that's kind of life in the NFL, but it, I mean, if it, so if there is any reason again for optimism, when it comes to the defense, it's maybe for all of the reasons that we just listed out. Um, But we are about to get to our expectations for the regular season, which again is right around the corner. But first let's take one more break. Exciting news! Our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com Football Pick'em Challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at PlayActionPools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest. Believe that's B L E A V football pick them. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got survivor pick them as well as a cool sportsbook style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. Ovi, we are done with the preseason. Thank God. And now we've got the the first game of the the year is right around the corner. Um, We've got a, a full week and then kicks off Thursday night football. And the Falcons are back. What, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, have we learned anything more about the Atlanta Falcons at this point? Do we know anything more than we did two months ago? Um, the thing that I am not comfortable with is that unless I missed it, unless I blinked for a second and he came on the field, Matt Ryan didn't play at all the preseason, correct? No. At all. Like, at all. I, I get <laughs> it that he is... Matt Ryan, but I I, I wish um, we had a statistician that we could ask to see that was there any other starting quarterback who didn't play at all as preseason? 
that's all. I saw a lot of big names, you know, Baker Mayfield, others that still play, even guys who are older. But I, I may have missed it. Maybe uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't play at all. You know, maybe I, I would uh, be well, shocked if Tom Brady played at all. You know, um, and and that's again a new type of way to handle the preseason. I just yeah. don't know if it's the best type of way for these these starters. I get it that Matt and Tom and all the big leagues have played before, but when there are four preseason games, these guys played at least a quarter, at least two quarters, yeah. just to get the you know knock off the rust. It's it's like when guys um, and I've been a part of these teams. We have a buy in the playoffs. Or we we're already in the playoffs, and we have our last uh, regular season game, and they say, you know what? None of the starters are playing. We don't want to get anybody hurt, so none of the starters are playing uh, um, the uh, the regular season game before the playoff game, and that always almost always leads to guys being rusty, leads to guys not getting into full stride until uh, the second half, and you wish that you had played these starters during the regular season or during that game. I think that's going to be the case here. So my thoughts are I, I, I'm looking forward to the first game. I can't wait to see all of Dean Pease's, uh, uh, you know, blitz, blitz package. I can't <laughs> wait to see, you know, Grady Jarrett, Dante Fowler, all these guys, Foyer running around, blitzing the A-gap and just terrorizing a quarterback. We're always the one getting terrorized. I want to see Dean Pease terrorize a quarterback and make our defense, you know, God forbid, our strength. That's never happens because – since Matt Ryan's been there back when I was there, 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, we've never had our defense at the strength of our team. It's always been Matt Ryan and, and uh, Julio, Matt Ryan and, you know, Tony Gonzalez, Matt Ryan and Roddy White, Matt Ryan and Hovi Mahaley sometimes, <laughs> very rarely. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it was just a, we want to score enough points so defense could mess it up. That yeah. was our plan. That, that was the game plan in big letters. Don't mess it up defense or score so defense can't mess it up. I want to see the defense be the strength. So that's what I'm looking forward to on uh, on day one, on game one. I'm looking forward to defense being our strength after the last preseason game. It's, it's hard to see that being the case, but I, I, I'm hoping Matt Ryan is going to be not rusty. I'm hoping the defense can sack the quarterback, have interceptions, knock the ball down, fly around, and uh, really uh, surprise people. Wow, that's a lot to unpack there. Well, first off, I want to uh, to thank you for answering, I guess, the age-old question. Is it better to rest your starters going into the uh, into the playoffs or to uh, to play them and keep that momentum going? It sounds like you you don't want to you don't want to sit out. You want to keep going. Don't do it. You don't wanna, do it. I mean, I get the whole risk of of right. you know injury, but it doesn't matter if you're healthy as heck and you have a, a crappy game, which seems to happen more often than not. And yeah. You know, the times where I've had, uh, been, again, been to playoffs five times, never won a playoff game. I had a bye in Baltimore. I had a bye in Atlanta. And both those buys, yeah, we got rested up. We healed up some injuries. But we all came out flat. We I, I don't know if we rested too much. But it's, for me, I, I just like keeping that blood pumping, you know, keeping things going so we can kind of just roll into the next game with, uh, like you mentioned, the momentum. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I mean, I think that, it will be interesting to see because if there is anybody on this roster that you would expect to kind of be ready to go at the at the jump, it would be Matt Ryan. Um, yeah. I mean, he's he prepares as well as anybody. He stays in shape throughout the season. He's he's going to be fine. He's going to be good to go. But again, it, it kind of comes back to that chemistry. It comes back to within the offense. Okay, you know, uh, I think Austin Hooper said that uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense was a lot about 
um, I think it was it was yards and Dirk Cutter's offense was about steps. So it was basically I'm making this cut at this much this many yards or I'm making this cut at this many steps, but it was more feel based than like actual yard based. And it's those little nuances where is Matt from day one very comfortable when he plays the the Philadelphia Eagles? Is he ready to sit there and take over from right, right away? Or does he need the defense to maybe give him some chances, keep it a low scoring game? But to your point, I, I think I can count on three fingers the number of years that the Falcons have actually had a good defense the last decade. And that would be <laughs> that would be 2010, 2012 and 2017. And I mean, that two of those were, were John Abraham and, and 2017 yeah. was just kind of the maturation of a lot of the young defenders that came to define Dan Quinn's um, yeah. run as head coach. And, and that was the best I think that group collectively, unfortunately, ever became because of the injuries that happened next year. But you're right. Defense has not been the strong suit. And I think that we all expect the offense to get there for Atlanta. But man, it would be really, really encouraging if early on out of the gates the defense just came to play and you know if, if this is a low scoring first game i'm kind of fine with that that would that would make me feel a little bit better about the prospects of this season than if we win a game 35 to 32 um because because i just i don't think either of us want the defense to continue to be a problem but matt ryan has not played we still expect him to probably have the biggest impact for this team in 2021 um, so I'm curious, Ovi, do you have any other guys in mind for who you believe will kind of have the biggest impact on the Falcons' fortunes this season? Yeah, our, our running back. You know, we we got rid of, um, gosh, I forgot, uh, our, our guy from, yeah, Todd Gurley, which, <laughs> I mean, there was a small, small, small chance that he could spark that fire he had with the Rams. But with all yeah. the injuries, it, it, it didn't it's happen. And a lot, of us, a lot of us thought it wouldn't happen. But, you know, the guy we have now reminds me of Michael Turner. You know, that, that's yeah. someone near and dear to my heart. You know, uh, having a, a bowling ball of a running back that can get you tough yards, that can give Arthur Smith something close to what he had in Tennessee, I think it's going to be exciting to watch because our run game hasn't been dominant since, uh, I mean, you know, I'd say our the Super Bowl year it was pretty, pretty good. Like I, I, I was gonna say since I was there, but we had a year or two yeah. where yeah. It, it, it was uh, it was pretty good with the Demonte Freeman. Uh, we had the the back to back Freeman and, uh, the and other seventeen back. and Tevin Coleman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tevin Coleman. Yes, Coleman was, was killing it. They were a one two punch to be reckoned with, and I think yep. that you know it made it that much easier for Matt Ryan. And then we kind of felt uh, broke away from that. I want to see if our running game, I, you know, strong defenses. Strong running games, that's old school football. That's old school, smash mouth, not high scoring football. And if you have a great quarterback to boot, you're, you're, you're winning. So we have a great quarterback. <laughs> yeah. If we can give that great quarterback a strong defense and a strong running game, I think we're, we're in a good position. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you, which is why, you know, some of the guys that I jotted down to on defense, A.J. Terrell, Dante Fowler, if those guys have good seasons, the team is is off to a great start foundationally on defense. You got a pass rusher and you got a corner and there's really no better place to start if you're trying to build a defense. Um, but the third person that I wrote down is on offense and it probably would surprise some people. But, you know, it, for all the reasons you just explained, it's Caleb McGarry. 
I think if Caleb and Gary kind of takes a step forward and becomes, I think he's already an average offensive lineman. I think if he becomes an above average um, to good offensive lineman, that it will mean a lot for this offense. I think it'll mean a lot for the run game because you're going to have essentially your right side of your offensive line is going to be pretty good. And you're going to be able to run off of that pretty well with, with Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry. And, you know, having both of your tackles be pretty competent helps to protect Matt with whatever you want to do. You're able to slide the pocket, get these guys to play out in space and hold their own. So if Caleb McGarry takes a step forward, I think that really resonates with the rest of the offense and probably is like the rising tide that lifts all boats. Um, So what do you think about that? I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you just need at least one strong side of the offense as far as the run game for us. We had um, we had uh, Tyson Claybo, my fellow Wake Forest Demon Deacon, go Deeks, and we had a uh, Harvey, Harvey freaking Dog. Yep. He was a monster. He was you know uh, just uh, a no bust, no fuss, just 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 monster. He was literally one of the <laughs> emotional leaders of the team because he was crazy. Dude was crazy and would maul like straight up bear maul any defensive tackle, defensive <laughs> lineman in front of him, and we knew for one yard. With Harvey Dahl, Tyson, and myself, we we they, they knew we were going to the right side. We knew we were going to the right side, and we knew we were going to get that one yard I mean, with me blocked yeah. for Mike Turner and everything well, else. So you're right. If they got by you guys, then they they had nothing left for Michael Turner. Oh, no, not, not nothing at all. <laughs> and so Mike Davis, you know, is a similar load that can just lean on that yeah. defense and get them tired to where in the fourth quarter we're doing big things. But we need competent linemen, and like you mentioned, Caleb McGarry. Can be that guy uh you know both tackles that the Matt Ryan is of the absolute uh importance but in the run game to establish that we, we gotta have somebody that can be that mean nasty uh, aggressor to start some of the drives and to finish some of the drives that we're gonna be making this season so I think you're absolutely right yeah so I in I guess a little under two weeks I guess a week and a half from from now everything that we have talked about over the past three months you know, since since the draft becomes pointless, go ahead. It all yeah, becomes pointless know, right? because now the games get played, and uh, yep. and so all of the predictions, all of the hand wringing, all of the you know laudations upon who's going to win the Super Bowl this year before a snap's even been played, that all goes yep. out the window. Um, so Ovi, do you have a final record prediction for the Falcons uh, as we oh, get ready man. to start the season? I. I'm going to be honest with you. Like I am all over the map with this. I'm just going to probably yep. pick some numbers because I really think that's how it's going to be. But, but I'm curious if you've got one. Yeah. Uh, so 17 games. So nine and eight, I, I said we we're going to barely have a winning season, barely. And nine and eight, that's, that's winning, right? Yeah. That's yep. equal 17. Uh, See, so yeah, I'm, I'm going nine and eight and we're in a really, really tough conference with uh, the saints always being good. And with Tampa Bay being the unstoppable Tampa Bay juggernauts that they've become <laughs> with Tom Brady yeah. and the Panthers. Yeah. I think we should beat the Panthers. We, we should definitely beat the Panthers. But I mentioned this. We can, you know, sprinkle some of that Hawks magic and say, you know what? We have nothing to lose. We have no expectations. The coaches, their seats aren't hot. They can, you know, they can win five, six games and we can say it's rebuilding because, you know, new system, new this, new that. And so they're playing with house money. They can go out there, play loose, uh, coach loose, you know, take some chances. Let's just give it a whirl. Let's see what we can do with, with Mike Davis uh, uh, and with uh, Matt Ryan with this new offense. I want to see what Calvin Ridley and some of these new receivers can do. I really want to put 
some pressure on Kyle Pitts. Let's see if you can do what Julio did his first year, which was meet and exceed all the expectations. And they were a lot of expectations because <laughs> I had it myself. I said, if we gave up, you know, this pick, that pick, all the picks again, Julio, you better come here day one and just impress me. Impress me. And he did that. <laughs> he, he, he wasn't trying to impress me. He just was him. And yeah. it was impressive. Kyle Pitts, yeah, his, his first catch was, was, was pretty impressive. But I think that there's so much more to uncover about him. And I yeah. was, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I was the guy saying, get Justin Fields, let him sit for a couple years. You know, he can be the, you know, Aaron Rodgers to the Brett Favre that is Matt Ryan. And we have our, you know, new quarterback of the future. And I, I love man. I, I got crucified for yeah. saying, I'll dare you, Matt's your guy. You know, like, <laughs> I didn't say come take his job. Matt's right. got, you know, several years left. But, you know, if you see a talent like that. You think about the future. You know, yeah. Yeah, and, and so they want to win now. And so right. I, I get it. still, this is not the year. They're not going to the Super Bowl this year, but I don't see a playoff run. Actually, I'm going to change it to 10 to 7. I don't see a playoff run being out of the picture. Uh, I think, um, you know, we, we have a chance. Obviously, it's going to have to be a wild card because the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks are going to win the division. That's just, that's just, <laughs> it's happening. Yeah, I, don't, don't try to stop it. It's happening. But I, I want to be realistic. We have a chance to get a wild card. We go out there and just play loose because we have so much upside all around our team. I don't, I don't disagree with that. Um, but, but here's where, here's where I'm at. This is the, this is the part I'm stuck at. Is I like to give a lot of credence to coaches. You know, coaches who I think are good. Generally, I'm going to believe in their teams a little bit more. I think that Arthur Smith and Dean Pease are good coaches, and I think that they're probably, you know, better at getting the most out of lesser talent um and benefiting the scheme as a whole uh than you know other coaches around the league and that isn't for nothing that counts and on the flip side i just look at this roster and some of the performances especially once you get into these third string guys these rotational guys and a big theme of everything that terry Fontenot and arthur smith have said from day one is that the nfl is a war of attrition and they're going into that war of attrition with like five army guys and the other <laughs> team has like 5,000 army guys and tanks and some helicopters yeah. And, yeah. and we're going out there with like Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones and Kyle Pitts and it's like um, at one you know point what? like <laughs> you I mean change my, my arm, uh, uh, position because you're right like if any if anyone gets hurt my 10 and 7 is on a high point yeah. Everything goes right. Right. No one gets hurt. All our starters can play all four <laughs> quarters. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's sometimes just what there are those teams. Like every the, the, once in a while, absolutely. there are those teams where they just kind of come out of nowhere. And it's like, you know, who saw this coming? And the Falcons have that type of talent. So like to your point, if, if people do stay healthy, things gel. Or even if, guy, if younger guys get better by the product of some of the yeah. coaching that I just explained, then all yes. of a sudden that depth over the course of the season maybe is stronger than we think it is right now. And they could end up right in the thick of the wild card. I could very much see that happening. That being said, but, seven uh, and ten is is my record prediction. Seven and ten? Seven and ten. Wow. You are negative Nancy. Oh um, <laughs> I, I mean, but but you you made a, a a compelling case because there is a new factor that we haven't even mentioned. This is the first season with 17 games, dude. Right. Like, this is the first season in the history of NFL's history, dumb, that they're going to have 17 games. And that's 
going to be something that all these, well, I guess the rookies, that's all they know. But the older players, how are you going to manage guys that one extra game, which is a lot in the grand the scheme of things? are the only team in the NFL with only seven home games. They have only seven yeah. home games. They're playing 10 games away from home. Oh, good times. Good, good times. <laughs> like you mentioned, we're, we're coming and bringing like, you know, pistols to uh, fight with tanks and like bombers. Right. And they get all types of second and third strings. Like, you know, back when Wake Forest used to play Florida State and their third string players, you know, could have been starters on our team. Like they yeah, <laughs> people got depth. Yeah. And right now, unless we do some, you know, some magic uh, uh, in the next couple of days, we don't seem to have the depth other teams do have. And, and the depth the second and third stringers on our team didn't have the greatest of showings throughout the preseason. I mean, we, we lost all four games. I mean, not, we'd win some games if we just had some amazing prize fighting backups that just showed up and surprised us. And we yeah. made Franks with this or our DBs were intercepting balls, taking them back or our defensive ends were sacking sack fumbles. None of that happened. Like our second, third string played like second and third string players. Right. And um, that's not good for us. If we, are trying to win a war of attrition. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. That's really well said. Um, so that war of attrition starts, uh, very soon and, uh, we will, we will definitely be watching it throughout the fall. I hope everybody will, will join us, but you know, Ovi, when we, when we first hopped on, you mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, you are currently, you know, out West with, with some fellow former athletes and there's a, a show coming back this fall that apparently is, is just like the biggest buzz in this house. So, uh, what are you guys? What are you guys trying to watch this fall? Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm out in Cali. I'm in a house full of NFL players. We're all doing some uh, neurocognitive concussion stuff. Make sure we're all okay. But uh, it, it's fun because it's a locker room atmosphere, so we have a chance to, <laughs> you know, watch movies together at the end of the day, and you know, just talk trash. And one of the movies that we're watching because you know, big action uh, adventure uh, group is uh, Jason Momoa's C. It's on Apple TV Plus. S E E C. And it is amazing. If you haven't watched it, because I was telling all these guys because the second season came out uh, recently and a lot of them hadn't seen the first. I said, just watch it. Just watch like, oh, so, you know, move about those blind people. I'm sorry. I don't want blind, blind people fight. It sounds, you know, terrible. I said, no, this is off the chain. So everyone's, you know, God took away everyone's sight because, you know, people were messing up the earth or whatever reason. So they, they <laughs> learn how to, you know, just operate without sight. And the first episode starts off with a, a major war behind Jason Moa's clan, the other clan. So I don't know how they're, you know, clanging swords and you know, touching the ground and just going straight savagery uh, in, in the blind fighting. But it's it's a great movie. And um, we ran through season one. We're already starting season two uh, tonight, actually. So I got to get off the phone with, uh, with you because uh, <laughs> they're, they're going to be waiting on me. But that that is an amazing series. I, I love the Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, you know, all types of action adventure flicks. There's a lot of great stuff out. Have you have you caught the uh, the Witcher on Netflix? Yes, yes. In fact, yeah. uh, the Witcher. I watched it uh, a couple of days ago. They have another uh, a cartoon Witcher uh, yeah, series. They have a, the live action one. The cartoon one kind of sets up for Gerard the the live action one. I think all that stuff is just just dope. Uh, you know, you add some fantasy elements to it with you know him having the, the superpowers. I don't see if you're a guy who likes football, you like violence, and the Witcher chooses <laughs> violence. All the time. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. What, that's what he does. He uses violence. There is no uh, amicable way of s- settling any score. 
No, yeah. So that that's coming back for a season two um, this fall. It's going to be, yeah, I mean, way more than just football to watch. But obviously, football is what we are here to bring you every week, along with a little bit of pop culture. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably probably it for today's episode. I think the next time that you guys will hear us will be we'll probably be starting our regular season cadence, which will be a preview episode later in the week. And then right. following each game, we'll do kind of a, a real quick wrap up post game, um, probably to get up on on Monday um, with with just our thoughts, reactions from the game, what it means for the Falcons moving forward and any storylines that we expect to be kind of coming out over the, the course of the week. Um, so everybody stay tuned for that. Please subscribe. Uh, let everybody know where they can learn a lot mm-hmm. more about the Falcons and life in the NFL. Uh, this coming fall and it's right here on this podcast um please follow us on twitter uh you can follow me at will mcfadden ovi at ovi mihaly 34 um yep. today's episode is presented by bet online and ovi you got anything to, to say to the people before we get out of here yeah man uh bet online great site great uh <laughs> opportunity lots of fun check that thing out uh i promise you you'll enjoy it but uh, no, I, I'm happy about the season. I'm happy to really finally sink my teeth into a Falcon season where I get to talk about it to someone other than my wife because she is tired of me just complaining about this and complaining about that. And, you know, couldn't go to the sports bars because of darn COVID. So this is my outlet. So thank you for you know feeding this positive habit. Hell yeah, dude. Come here with your takes. Come here with your anger. But hopefully come here with much more celebration than anger this fall. That will yes. do it for us today, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.